The struggle continues, everybody. The struggle continues. Aluta continua. And now you can get your very own Politocrat Daily Podcast Aluta Continua t-shirt exclusively at thepolitocrat.com online store. The Politocrat Daily Podcast online store. The proper web address is the-politocrat.myshopify.com. You can also go to thepolitocrat.com and scroll down. But to get directly to the store, it's the-politocrat.myshopify.com. New merchandise added on an almost daily basis. All designed by yours truly. So shop now and buy, buy and buy from the Politocrat Daily Podcast online store. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Wednesday, March the 17th, 2021. On this episode of The Politocrat. Now at seven, we're hearing from the 60-year-old man who is the latest victim in a string of attacks against Asians. It happened yesterday afternoon along Market Street in San Francisco. The victim, who lives in Vallejo, just sent us a few pictures. And we want to warn you, they are hard to look at. This is how Danny Yu Chang looked yesterday. Police say someone ran up to him and punched him several times in the head. That suspect got away on a muni bus. The victim tells KPIX5's Betty Yu the attack left him partially blind. I cannot see on my, on my left left eye. It's still uh, so bad. I cannot see anything on my right. It's okay. I hope I don't lose my vision here. And in Oakland, a second suspect has now been arrested for the death of this man. 75-year-old Pak Ho was beaten and robbed last week. Tomorrow, Assemblymember David Chu, State Senator Richard Penn, and other Asian American leaders will hold a press conference calling on Governor Newsom to appoint an attorney general who will prioritize stopping these attacks. When will your Nimola moment be? Coming up next. Welcome back. Here we are on Wednesday, March the 17th, 2021. It is St. Patrick's Day. For those of you who celebrate it, I'm sure you will be drinking responsibly. And I bet that you'll have a great time. I hope that you are doing so in the comfort and safety of confines that are friendly and safe to you and that you have a good time virtually with people that aren't a part of your household. We have to find ways to celebrate, have fun amidst these very difficult times. I'm going to be talking about some very difficult times right now here in the United States and also abroad. I want to actually start with abroad. And there are many of these wars and violent battles and violent incursions going on. And I think of Tigray 
in Ethiopia, where there is a lot of bloodshed and violence against the citizenry there. Massacres by the Ethiopian army in Tigray, in uh, right in, in Eritrea, Eritrea, I, I, Eritrea. I can't pronounce the name of the of the country, but the, but there's this there's this violence, and Ethiopia and all all these these places, these countries, these two particular countries. I mean, it's. It's unspeakable what's happening there, and it's not really getting a lot of attention. I, I should point out that this has been going on for a while now. You're getting 80, 90, 100 people a day being massacred by this violent army. I mean, this is, uh, this is horrible. I mean, this is really horrible. This violence. These two countries. And you've got the Ethiopians, the army rather, just... It's horrible what's going on. It's really horrible. And it's barely getting any news coverage. Well, in America, here, it certainly isn't getting any coverage in the United States. It certainly isn't. It certainly isn't. You've got these, um, excuse me, it's not Ethiopia, it's Eritrean. Eritrean, so I'm sorry. I want to get this correct. Eritrean forces are doing this. I mean, this is just so evil. Eritrean, Eritrean forces are attacking. These churches in Tigray and <sighs> Tigray is located in Ethiopia. Let me just give you the geographics. Tigray, T-I-G-R-A-Y, is located in Ethiopia. Eritrea is next door to Ethiopia. And there's certainly been some real tension between these two countries to say the least and battles and wars and I mean it's it's just really horrible 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 and it's again faith is part of this religion rather is part of all of this and to me this is all about power and we must stop this violence. We must end this violence. It's got to end. Attacking priests or attacking anybody is just not going to get anything solved. Killing or imprisoning people is not going to get the issues resolved. Not when there's this violence going on. I mean, obviously when people commit crime, they should be punished and they should be sentenced and they should be 
put into places that are going to try to make use of them as civilians in prison. Well, they're no longer civilians when they're in prison. But there are some people, I think, who should have the key thrown away after they're locked up. I honestly think that. And one of them, as I transition here, is someone who did something evil, as evil as anything else that I've just read out to you, and as evil as what happened back in 2015 here in the United States. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about or where I'm going, I'm going to say that I've arrived at the destination of telling you that in 2015, in Charleston, South Carolina's Mother Emanuel AME Church, a white male murderer stepped in and executed nine black parishioners. They were worshipping inside the church. What could be a more evil act to do than to end their lives while they are praying to their God and worshipping to their God? And this Antichrist comes in. I mean, that's really, if you want to look at it that way, that's exactly what that was. And it was a massacre, an assassination, an execution of nine people. And I've done a number of episodes about this. And even before I did this podcast, I've also put together a YouTube post about the Charleston Nine, the Mother Emanuel Nine, the Mother Emanuel AME Nine. I mean, I've done that. I'm going to put that as a link, by the way, into this podcast episode's liner notes. The gunman was caught, and by the way, he was given McDonald's. He went to McDonald's. They said they bought him the cops, so-called good cops. Court gave him, bought him Burger King. How charming. You've just executed nine people, and your reward is not going straight to custody, but your reward is to immediately go to Burger King. I mean, is that an incentive for more white men to go and kill people who don't look like they do? They'll get fed in the process afterwards by the police. I mean, can you imagine the specter of someone black happening to go into a church, kill nine white people, and then the police buy him Burger King? Do you think that that would even be something that happens? That he would be bought Burger King or any other kind of food? You know the answer to that. I mentioned what happened at Mother Emanuel AME Church because what happened yesterday in Atlanta, Georgia, in that area of Georgia, the metropolitan area, has the very same ring to it. And it, it, the first thing I thought of was the 
assassinations at the Mother Emanuel AME Church. By the way, what you heard in that audio to begin this episode was a news report on Tuesday, March the 16th, 2021 on the San Francisco local news, KPIX, detailing a report about an Asian man who had been beaten and viciously attacked in San Francisco. And it happened just yesterday, March the 16th. And you heard from that man. I believe he was 60 years old. Is 60 years old. He's still alive. Talking about how he couldn't see in one of his eyes because he got beaten so badly. Now, the person who did this escaped on a local bus. There had to have been cameras in that bus. And there had to have been witnesses who saw this man enter the bus. I mean, had to have done. And they must have noticed him. And surely they noticed the blood on his hands, on his clothing. What you can't obviously see in that audio were the very, I think, graphic at points, photos and a video, particularly the photos of him, the man who was beaten, bloodied. I mean, I don't know how anybody on a Muni bus in San Francisco wouldn't have seen that man. I mean, unless the bus was empty. And even if it were, there's someone driving that bus. It's not one of the it's not an automated bus. We're not there quite yet with buses. Somebody saw that man get on that bus. And this was just yesterday here in San Francisco. And the this has to be ended now. And this man has to be found and arrested and brought to justice. These Atlanta area killings yesterday reminded me of Mother AME, Mother Emanuel AME Church, and what happened there with the nine parishioners killed there, the nine black people who were killed there. Nearly six years ago now. And that's exactly what I thought of exactly what I thought. And now we've got this here now. What happened yesterday evening? What happened last night in Atlanta and the Atlanta area is despicable. It was evil. It was heinous. It was an attack on Asian people. And we must end this violence. We've got to end this violence in this country against people who are black, who are Asian, who are female, who are, who no matter what, but people who are doing this and it's white men who are doing it, particularly, but anybody, but in this case, white men have to be brought to heal. The law must get tougher and not only must the laws get tougher 
and these jail sentences become life imprisonment sentences for these kinds of crimes, whether you call them hate crimes, whether you call them whatever you call them, because that's what they are, they're violent crimes. These have to be charged aggressively on the local level, which is really where this really has to happen. And on the federal civil rights level, because in this particular massacre last night, six of the eight people were women. And all eight of these individuals were Asian. Almost all of them were Asian. I believe all eight of them were Asian and six of them were women. And as I've always said, and as people like Rebecca Traster have written about and others, these violent massacres are often and almost always predicated on violence against women. And that's what we're seeing. Every one of these mass shootings here in the United States, and I dare say in other countries, which they don't really see too many mass shootings. We've had one in Christchurch, New Zealand a couple of years ago, of course, two or three years ago, two years ago, I think it was 2019, when, when uh, you had the execution of 50 people, all Muslims in two different mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand. But generally speaking, the rest of the world does not see this level of mass shooting, this level of mass violence. There was something, uh, a violent event that happened in Germany, I think earlier this year, or maybe, I think it was this year, where I think four or five people were killed. That was with someone, I think, who ran, had their vehicle and ran over some people in a shopping center. But generally speaking, in terms of gun violence, you do not see the level of gun violence around the world that you see in the United States. Because our gun laws here allow everybody to do whatever the heck they want. And we, we just passed a background check bill last week in the House. God knows when the Senate's going to even look at that. But I want to get back to what's happened here yesterday. It was an atrocity and it was an absolute attack on Asian people. It was an attack on all of us. I look at that as an attack on me. In fact, I look at that as an absolute attack on someone like myself. And I wish that we would all start thinking about things like this. This attack on Asian people is an attack on the fabric of the country. And the country's fabric is violence. So maybe it's really not an attack on the country in that way. A country founded upon violence. A country founded upon genocide in the Native Americans. Founded upon enslaving black people. And founded upon Jim Crow and lynching and founded upon massacring people who were Native American, who were black, founded upon forcing the Chinese 
to build the railroads under penalty of death, founded upon FDR's Executive Order 9066, interning Americans of Japanese background in camps, including here in San Francisco, California, where these attacks on Asians are really proliferating. And it's not only here in my city of San Francisco, it's in Oakland, California, across the bridge, that report that you heard at the top of this episode. Talked about there being some arrests in the case of a man beaten to death last week in Oakland. Another Asian man. This is happening all over the country. It's been going on for years. It's particularly been going on the last 12 months plus. These ignorant, violent people. There are some black men that have been involved in in this as well. There have been some brown men involved in this as well. And shame on all of you. You're a disgrace. You're an absolute disgrace. And these white men doing the same thing. Violence. Mostly white men doing this. Violence. I don't care who's doing it. Anybody doing it has got to face maximum penalties. And no, I'm not talking about the death penalty. I'm talking about everything except the death penalty. And then we've got to look at the institutions that perpetuate this violence, that perpetrate the violence. We've got to look at the culture. We've got to look at it. We have to look at the culture that produces this. Because I've talked about the Charlie Chan movies in the 30s and 40s. I talked about those. This is a country that dropped atomic bombs on the Japanese in 1945. You remember that, don't you? I mean, you don't have to be alive to remember it, but you know about it. Fat man and little boy. The Enola Gay. The aircraft that dropped those bombs. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. August 6th and August 9th, 1945. A Democratic president, Harry Truman, dropped those bombs. A Democratic president, FDR, issued Executive Order 9066. We've got to look at the violent structure as well. And stop looking at these massacres as isolated events. Because they clearly aren't isolated events. If that massacre that happened last night in Atlanta and the area around Atlanta happened. And the violence against the Asian man in San Francisco, California yesterday happened. And they both did. And the violence last week in Oakland against another Asian man resulting in his death, the murder of that man. If all those things are happening, it's all connected. 
And it's all happening, not in a vacuum, but in a culture, in a climate, in an institutionalized way. And the institutions aren't doing enough to begin with, to deal with this. We need to do that. We need to not only put pressure on these institutions, but we've got to change them or we've got to dismantle them. And again, we must have institutions and laws that reflect and protect and respect the humanity of people who are black, people who are Asian, people who are Native American, people who are women, people who are LGBTQIA, people, Latinos, Latinas, Latinx. We've got to have laws and institutions that protect the humanity of people and respect them so that the laws make it very clear. And we've got to have people who unlearn this hatred and this violence against Asian people, against women, against black people, against anybody. Particularly those who are historic and current recipients of this kind of violence, this brutal violence. When I come back, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about these shootings last night because this massacre last night has sent a lot of people to Twitter and elsewhere and to voice their outrage and their concern and their, their anger, of course. I've done the very same thing. You can look at my tweets at the popcorn R-E-E-L and you can definitely see where I stand on this. I mean, you know where I stand on Twitter. Um, I use a few curse words. And there are other people who have made it clear. George Takai, you know George Takai. If perhaps some of you don't, he was famously, of course, on Star Trek back in the 60s and 70s. I remember him from from uh, that TV series way back when. Others have spoken up in the Asian community, but it, in Asian communities, you know, we've got to end this violence and this hatred against Asian Pacific Islanders, Asian American Pacific Islanders, against Asian people in general, Asian Americans. But it shouldn't just be Asian people speaking. It has to be all of us. It has to be all of us. And what you're going to probably get, I don't even look at it so much as copycats. I look at it as people who 
feel licensed to kill Asian people. That's what this is. And it's been done from the top because, of course, the weasel who walked out of the White House after telling people to attack the Capitol, exhorting them to commit a terrorist act. That terrorist attack just over two months ago was his doing. And when he was in office, all he did was insult Asian people, saying racist things about them. That's all he did. And let me tell you something else. I'm not even going to sit here and tell you, well, they used the pandemic as an excuse. Bull crap. They didn't use the pandemic as an excuse to do this. They didn't do that. This is not about a pandemic. This is about hatred. This is about violence. That's what this is about. I don't want to hear anybody telling me, oh, well, it's the pandemic and they're doing it because of that. No, they're not. They've always felt this way. And please don't tell me otherwise. No one is angry enough to do that to another human being without having some kind of hatred for that human being in the first place. Pandemic or no pandemic. Dropkick Murphys with I'm shipping up to Boston on this St. Patrick's Day. And I want to get right back to what I've been talking about here on this episode of The Politocrat. And thank you very much for listening. Um, I want to read out to you what the Associated Press has had to say about it. And keep in mind as you hear me read this, and I'm going to link to this as well. I'm going to try to read, actually, I'm going to read all the article and I'll do it pretty clearly and as quickly as possible. But I'm also going to link to this article as well. Because I do think it's important that you read this. Uh, But as you read this, I want you to keep in mind the language being used. Because, again, as I said just before the break, this is not about the pandemic. And anybody who tries to soft soap you and soft sell you the notion that this has got something to do with a pandemic. You know, it's just weak. It's absolutely weak source. S-A-U-C-E. Weak source. That's what it is. Because this is an excuse. It is like those that you see those depicted, white men particularly, depicted in movies as having had a lot of alcohol to consume and then they go and beat up a woman or beat up someone else. Oh, well, he was drunk. Or he will say, after he's been drinking, then he uses and says the word N to a black person. 
And then it's, uh, and so that seed is sown that, well, he did it because he drank alcohol. Well, the alcohol brings out the truth anyway, right? So the alcohol use is the filmmaker's way of softening the blow. Instead of just having the person be the racist that they really are all along, it's, oh, well, the alcohol did it. And you hear this a lot. You hear this, as I've said recently on the, episodes of this podcast with people who make racist statements like these white men this white man in particular who was doing his play-by-play on his show that he was doing of a female high school students basketball game and before the game there were two black female students on the basketball team who were kneeling and he blurted out effing ends live on the air and then said, oh, it was my blood sugar level that made me do it. So again, this blaming of something other than you and failing to take responsibility for your racist acts and failing to look in your heart and ask yourself why you're doing this and then unlearning this poisonous language, this institutional language of racism and anti-blackness. Instead of you doing all those things, because I know for you it's so much easier just to be the racist that you are. And instead of him doing that, what he does is, oh, I'm blaming it on something else. And these are the same kinds of people who sit and tell you and me that You have to be responsible. Black people, you have to be responsible. Bear some responsibility for your actions. And then when the time comes for them, the very people, the very white people who are telling us to be responsible, what do they do? They don't do the same thing themselves. They blame it on something or someone else. So in that spirit, I don't blame a pandemic. I blame the person who has hatred and racism and violence in their heart. That's where it has to come from. It doesn't come from a pandemic. Because if that were true, then why weren't all of these people in Kansas attacked in 1918 and 19? Because that's where this so-called Spanish flu came from. Kansas then why wasn't there an epidemic of attacks in Kansas on people in 1918 and 19? In fact, why weren't there attacks on people who were Spanish in 1918 and 19? And it wasn't even the Spanish who had anything to do with this. That flu in 1918 and 19 originated in Kansas, here in the United States. And hardly anybody knows that. And we're all running around here, speaking of language, talking about the Spanish flu. That's just absolutely outrageous. We we talk in language and the language is based on lies. I mean, it's like saying we celebrate a so-called Columbus Day here. Thank goodness people are, are doing something called Indigenous Peoples Day. Because I think that's the great response, the perfect response to this garbage and this violence and lies. 
Columbus Day. And we ce- see, that's the institutional thing. We celebrate, or not me, but we in general as a society observe Columbus Day. Named after a, a white man who committed so much violence and didn't know where the hell he was on the planet. How arrogant are we? How arrogant is a society, an institution, to even celebrate a murderer and then have a day after him? And then we all run around here and go, ooh, I'm taking Columbus Day off today. Don't you see how crazy that is? How psychopathic that is. Language, I keep saying, dear listener, language means everything. And it's not semantics. I will defy that every day of the week. It is not semantics that I am speaking of here. This is about how we think, how we feel, and how we express it. And what we're thinking as we do. And that may be granular for some. Too much in the weeds for some. But that's the reality. So as a man act, so as a man thinketh, thus he acteth. I'm telling you, if you think a certain way, you will act a certain way. You will behave in a certain manner. This is not about a goddamn pandemic. Because if it was, in 1918 and 1919, we would have seen attacks. And I don't justify that. I don't, I'm not trying to suggest that there should have been. But... We would have seen, wouldn't we have seen these violent people, these violent white men attacking Kansans? Oh, oh, I get it. Those Kansans are white. So uh, most of Kansas was still, was white in 1918. So uh, yeah, I don't see those white folk. They're not going to attack their own. Hmm. Even though they did attack their own on January 6th, 2021. Some white on white violence, right? Since they love to say black on black. How about white on white violence that goes on every day in this country and doesn't get reported like that? Ah, oh, but 1918, uh, yeah, they didn't do that, did they? they? The Kansas flu that we now in the world call Spanish flu. What? It's Kansas where it started. Oh, but nobody seems to care about that, do they now? This is not about a pandemic. This is about hatred. This is about racism. This is about anti-Asian racism. This is about violence against Asians. And this piece of garbage last night who did this hated Asian people before this pandemic ever started and hates himself obviously he's he is absolutely someone who hates himself anybody who does this obviously also hates themselves 
But the thing is, is that he ended the lives of eight people. And the question becomes, what is our response going to be to that? I'm actually only going to read a paragraph or two about this, uh, of this story here. Let me just do that now. And I want to get back to the question I've just left you with. The title of this, and I'm going to link it to the episode here in the liner notes. The title of this Associated Press article, and it's written by Kate Brumbach, B-R-U-M as in Mountain, B as in Bravo, A-C-K, Kate Brumbach. Title is Atlanta Area Shootings Leave Eight Dead, Many of Asian Descent. I'm just going to read two or three paragraphs. Atlanta AP, that's the dateline. Atlanta, a series of shootings over nearly an hour at three Atlanta area massage parlors left eight people dead and raised fears that the attack was another hate crime against Asian Americans. Police arrested a white 21-year-old Georgia man and said the motive for Tuesday night's attacks wasn't immediately known, though many of the victims were women of Asian descent. Women. I added that word. That last word. Quote, we're in a place where we've seen an increase in hate crimes against Asian Americans since the pandemic started, end quote, said Georgia State Rep B. Wynn. Quote, it's hard to think it is not targeted specifically toward our community, end quote. And then it goes into the detail of what happened. Talk goes on to talk about two people dying at this were killed at the scene, died at the scene, and then there was another uh, three women dead somewhere else, and then another. I mean, another woman shot dead. I mean, again, I keep talking about this, and as I say, Re- Rebecca Traster and many others have written about this, about the predicate of these mass murders, is usually starts with violence against a woman. Male violence against a woman or women. And that's exactly what's happened here. And I hope that that does not get buried in all of this as well. First and foremost, in addition to that, so as co-foremost, is that this violence has to end. And I want to try to get back to the question, which may not be the same one I left you with, but it's going to be something along those lines. What are we going to do about this? And there's going to be legislatures, or there were, by the time you listen to this, there will have been legislatures, legislators here locally, assembly persons and politicians here locally, who are going to be holding press conferences here I believe in San Francisco or in somewhere else in the San Francisco Bay Area about this, about what happened here in San Francisco yesterday. But certainly I'm sure they're going to also be talking about what's happened in Atlanta and the Atlanta area. And these white boys have to be brought to heel. They have to be brought to heel. This is unacceptable. We're not going to take this anymore. 
And the question is, are you going to take this anymore? And the question is, what are you doing? What are you saying? Have you tweeted about this at the very least? At the very least, have you tweeted about this attack? And I'm not talking retweeting people. I'm talking, have you tweeted something that you've written out to the world about this attack last night against Asian women, against Asians in general? Have you done that? Because that attack is an attack on all of us, including you. Just because it didn't happen to your group, that doesn't mean it's not an attack on you. And I really wished, wished, pixie dust wish, that we all looked at it like that, that this is an attack on all of us. But we don't. We're so divided. Or we're told that we're so divided. It's not that we're so divided. It's that the institutions that control the system that we're in is the one doing the dividing and is the one pitting us against each other. As Nicole Hannah-Jones points out on Twitter, and I did tweet her thread out as well, and I'm going to put a link to her thread so that you can read it yourself. There's so much history in the United States that black people and Asian people, for example, share. Not the enslavement part, but other commonalities in terms of the threads of the way that this country and this country's government has treated us. I've outlined some of them earlier with the internment camps and the executive order. I've outlined some of that already, but I want you to, and I'm going to link to this thread that she wrote, and I think it's going to be too long to read out here, but you really have to go to the liner notes of this episode, please. And it's probably best seen. The liner notes can be properly read if you go to Spotify, if you go to Apple, I believe Pandora, um, a number of the places. And this podcast can be heard in a number of places. You can go and actually read those liner notes because some of the podcast formats put bunch everything up together and it's hard to decipher. But on Apple and on Spotify in particular, both of those platforms, you can actually see the links and clearly read what the liner notes are. I'm going to include Nicole Hannah-Jones, the Pulitzer Prize winner, Nicole Hannah-Jones, thread from this day on Twitter, on the liner notes, so you can read it through. It's a really instructive and very helpful thread that gives a great historical perspective. But we have to view these attacks on Asian people as an attack on all of us. We have to, so that we can start to change. It shouldn't have to take that. We should have enough empathy in our hearts. Pandemic or no pandemic. To at least say, I stand with Asian people. My Asian brothers and sisters. And I want you to know that this violence must end. This violence must end yesterday. President Biden has to get on television during prime time and address this. 
I'm not suggesting that one speech is going to change anything or end anything, but I am saying that the perception is important. I'm saying that the president's words will be heeded, will be heard at least. I'm saying that what a president says has weight to it. People listen to it. We saw what happened with the so-called previous occupant of the White House. We saw what happened with that. The words he said led people to commit a terrorist attack on our country, on all of us. We put those politicians in the U.S. Capitol building with our votes and we pay their salaries with our taxes. So that's an attack on us. I've said this before. What a president says carries weight. I mean, again, I refer back to the previous occupant of the White House who told you almost a year ago now that Clorox, bleach of any kind, would be a good idea, I'm paraphrasing, to inject into yourself. He said that in the White House press briefing room. April 25th, 2020. I believe that is the exact date. And you know what happened? You had hotlines in different states across the United States within hours of that particular pronouncement and days after it, calling up hotlines, ringing off the hook in Maryland and in other state governments, asking should we be doing this? Should we be putting bleach in ourselves? Literally asking that. Yes, there are people who even call up hotlines to ask that because they are so embedded into authority and authoritarians. It's an example, though, of the idea and the truth that the person in the White House, what he or hopefully she at some point says, really carries a lot of weight. People listen to it to the point where Maryland and other states were getting hundreds of calls a day asking from human beings, not prank callers, human beings genuinely asking, oh, is bleach safe to inject into you? And I assure you, they did not even read the label of the bleach they have in their households. They called immediately. I mean, I never forget this. I was sitting there watching someone from Maryland get on, tele on television and say they'd been fielding hundreds of calls about this last year. And there was a couple in Arizona, one of whom died from drinking this hydroxychloroquine or ingesting it because their fish tank food that they feed their fishes, their fish, excuse me, had this hydroxychloroquine in it. So they obviously looked on the side of their fish food and they drank it. They imbibed it. They ate it. The husband and the wife in Arizona and one of them literally 
to use gangster parlance, ended up swimming with the fishes. He died. Died. These are adults. These are not five-year-old children who don't know better or four-year-olds or toddlers who don't know better. Who you know would pick up something and put it in their mouth, no questions asked. If you turn your back, they've got something in their mouth. That's not this situation. These are grown adults. Men and women, people, grown adults. I mean, this guy was in his 50s, 60s, I think, 50s. What someone in the White House says, what a president says, carries weight. And that's the illustration of these last three or four or five minutes I've spent talking about that because I think that Joe Biden, President Biden, should get on the air, get on the horn, get on the air, really, and have a live statement, prime time. Just like he did last week when he touted, quite rightly, the American Rescue Plan. He needs to get on the air and do so real damn soon. Excuse me. And make it clear. Enough is enough of this attack, of these attacks on Asian people. Enough is enough. Set a tone. I remember George War Criminal Bush, W for War Criminal. Even he, in the immediate hours or the hours after the terrorist attack of 9 11, 2001, he got on the air nationally and he mentioned it and made it clear that attacks against Muslim people cannot stand. And then the day or so after that, he had a meeting with all of these different people in different Muslim communities, brought them all together, or he went over to the, their center, I believe it's C-A-I-R, CARE, which is, which is I think, a Muslim-based organization. And, uh, you know, they all joined together and they, and they spoke. And that, and that is really important. And President Biden, you need to do that. You need to do that. that. That is not symbolism. I know some people will say, oh, well, that's just being symbolic. That's just symbolism. Well, maybe you will think that. But I'm telling you, that's not. Because it sends a message whether people hate or not, it sends a message that the most powerful person on the planet has your back and that his administration, in this case his administration, is going to be aggressively prosecuting these cases. So Merrick Garland, you've just been sworn in a few days ago as Attorney General. You were just confirmed by the Senate middle of last week. So it's now a week that you've been there. You need to make it very clear, if you haven't already done so, that these attacks against Asian people, against Asian women, against anyone, but in this case, we're talking about Asian people, these attacks against Asians of any background will not be tolerated at all and they will be prosecuted aggressively and to the max. You need to have a department that really is dedicated to this, if you don't have one already. 
And you need to stiffen up these punishments. And these institutions have to start doing some soul searching or we're going to force them to do some. And we are already. We can't live in a society like this and call this the greatest nation on earth. And you've got Asians being attacked. You've got black people being attacked. You've got women being attacked. You've got Latinos. You've got Latinx. You've got people being shoved into concentration camps. And you're calling this the greatest country on earth? In what way is America the greatest country on earth when it is doing this to the people who want to come here to improve the country and improve their own lives, first and foremost? You're ripping parents, ripping kids from their parents, and this is the greatest country on earth? If you think that right now, that America is the greatest country on earth and you're listening to this and you're thinking that America is the greatest country on the planet, you are surely psychopathic. And you're also sociopathic. And you're also deluded. President Biden, please, you need to Say something about this. And I'm not talking about a, a, a little statement that you make in the middle of a speech as you did last week, because he did. I'm talking about an address solely focused on ending this violence on your statement. In the, and I know you signed an executive order a few weeks back about this, too. I know you did. On the federal level. But obviously people are not paying attention. This, I didn't even mention his name. In this article, Robert Aaron Long of Woodstock, who is supposedly the suspect, 21-year-old white man. He obviously didn't get the memo about your executive orders. And like I say, I'm not saying that one person's speech is going to end this. But what it does, it sets a tone in the country. People listen. I'm telling you. And President Biden, I think you've got to speak up here. And every governor has to speak up. If President Biden's doing a live address, then every damn governor in this country should be doing the same damn thing. That includes Governor Newsom here in California. If you haven't already, I have not seen one from him. I don't think statements are enough. You've got to get out and speak and be visible. And I'm talking a live primetime address. I'm telling you, some people might think that that's somehow extreme. It's not extreme. It's the very, very least. It's the least someone can do who's in a position of power. You've got to do this. And you've got an election coming up next year, Governor Newsom. I always, I almost get close to saying Governor Newsom. This is the state where most of these attacks are happening, by the way. But they're happening all over the country. So we have to put pressure on people locally to speak up. Mayors, that includes you too, Mayor London Breed of San Francisco. I mean, all of you, everybody. And I know, I know she's spoken about this, but I really do mean that we need to do live addresses to, to, to people. I honestly think that. Because if you do a live time, prime time address, now I'm having problems even 
talking here, tripping over my words, because I am really passionate about this, like you didn't notice. This is something that if you do this live in prime time, it shows that you take it seriously, by the way, first of all. And second of all, you have a captive audience. We have to do something about this and we need to end this violence now. And we must, must look at these institutions. And we have to force them to change or completely end this system as it is. Because this system now is not serving even 90% of us. It's not serving 95% of us. It's serving less than 2% of the people in this country the way that it should be serving all of us. I assure you, I assure you, if there were an epidemic of rich people being killed in this manner and killed like those eight Asians were killed, six of them women, if there was an epidemic of rich people being killed in the United States, I guarantee you that something would have been done about it. And I guarantee you that you would have heard from officials all over the country, including the president. You would have heard from people. I would love to leave you with this, and I'm going to. This poem and you probably know it, from the pastor from Germany, Martin Niemöller, who was a conservative. And he started out by applauding Nazis. I mean, this is the guy that started with this. He, he wanted Hitler. He opposed the, the Weimar Republic. And so he, he absolutely saluted, for lack of a better word, saluted Hitler. But that turned around for him. And he saw the error of his ways, this German pastor, Martin Niemöller. He lived for almost 90, 95 years or so. Lived a long life. He wrote a poem, and I'm not sure what year. I think it was in the 1930s or 40s. I think when he when he saw the uh, error of his own ways, and it was in 1936 or thereabouts where he rejected some of the doctrines of Hitler and the Nazis. And I think it was around that time when he probably wrote the poem. And he renounced and he absolutely uh, was an outspoken critic of the Nazis. And he got jailed for a number of years for standing up against the Nazis. This is a white German male pastor, Martin Niemöller. There are variations of his poem called First I Came. Or first they came. 
It's called First They Came. I'm going to read out one of those editions right now. First they came for the communists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a communist. Then they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out, because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me. There was no one left to speak out for me. Where is your Nimola moment? When will your Nimola moment come? It's time to speak up. It's time to speak out. We cannot and you cannot afford to be silent. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. This is how Danny Yu Chang looked yesterday. Police say someone ran up to him and punched him several times in the head. That suspect got away on a muni bus. The victim tells KPIX 5's Betty Yu the attack left him partially blind. I cannot see on my, on my left left eye. It's still uh, so bad. I cannot see anything on my right. It's okay. I hope I don't lose my vision here.